Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All righty, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning. We welcome each and every one of you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. Thanks for being here. We come your way 10 A to 12. P. That's Monday through Friday. You can join us on YouTube. That's the Chatterbox Sports page. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We'll get to the fellows here in a second. The Reds will enjoy one more day off today for the All-Star break before starting the second half of the season in full pennant mode. The second place Brewers come to town for a three-game set of GP, GABP tomorrow night. Pitching matchups for the weekend have been announced. Graham Ashcraft in the first game against Corbin Burns. Andrew Abbott against Freddie Peralta on Saturday. Then Ben Lively opposes Adrian Hauser on Sunday. It's the start of 16 consecutive games against teams that are at least seven games over 500 including six against Milwaukee. Ten of the 16 are at home, where the Reds are only two games over 500. The weekend is Hall of Fame weekend for the Reds. Danny Graves will be inducted along with Bronson Arroyo and Gabe Paul. Danny will join us at 10.30 to talk about his career as the team's all-time saves leader. The All-Star Game continues to be not watch TV. For the second consecutive year, the game received record low viewership. It was 7% lower than last year. The decline means that the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, and the Major League Draft saw year-over-year -year serious declines. What does that mean for the game nationally? Other baseball news? Internationally, the Dodgers and the Padres will play Major League Baseball's first regular season games in Seoul, South Korea, That'll be to start next year, the third week of March. MLB is now set to play three international series in 2024. Astros and Rockies will meet in Mexico City. The Mets and Phillies headed to London. Casey, your guys, FC Cincinnati, they fell behind 1-0 in New York last night, scored a goal late, then found the net in something called stoppage play for a 2-1 win. FCC improves to 14-2-6 on the year. That's best in the MLS. They return home Saturday, and this is going to be a good game. They host a very good Nashville team who sports the third best record in the league. The U.S. men's national team lost to Panama on penalty kicks in the semifinal round of the Gold Cup last night. The Kansas City Chiefs added to their brilliant 2023 and that was at the SP Awards. They were honored as the best team in all of sports for last year. And Patrick Mahomes named the best player in all of sports. Mahomes has led the Chiefs to three Super Bowls, winning two in the last five years. A couple of other notes from the ESPYs. LeBron James officially announced at the awards show that he was indeed returning for a 21st season. He will become only the sixth player. And this will be a little quiz. We're going to shoot back later. Don't look it up. He'll only be the sixth <laughs> player ever to play at least 21 years in the NBA. And legendary broadcaster Dick Vitale announced last night that he has vocal cord cancer. He will begin six weeks of radiation to treat it, and he's planning on being back for the start of college basketball come November. 84 years young is Vitale. He's a Hall of Famer. 
He has been with ESPN since it launched in 1979, and he called the first ever basketball game on ESPN. Certainly our prayers are with Dick Vitale. Casey, what, can you explain to me, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, you're sporting your FC Cincinnati t-shirt. It's the only reason we're even talking about it. Can you explain to me how a sport exists where there's a time clock and how you're watching the game and you see it's a four minutes, it's two minutes, it's a minute to go, it's a tie game, you're down a goal, and then all of a sudden it ends and you're like, wait a minute, fellas, we got five more minutes. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, can't somebody push a button to just stop the clock instead of asking people to, to, to just, you know, keep track of how long a guy was laying there on the field after flopping or whatever it might be, <laughs> right? Because, because Why can't they just do it in a normal fashion? Is that too much to ask? Because the stoppage time isn't reflective completely of all the stoppage that happens within a soccer game. It's a, uh, I don't want to say it's a, a, like an opinion that the refs have. It's an estimation. It's an estimation, right? It's, if they stopped every time someone got fouled, um, we, would, we would have a three-hour game instead of a 90-minute game. So that's, that's why they do it the way that they do it is because they want to technically give them the fair allotted amount of time to play a soccer game, but they don't do it fairly, I guess. But Everett, but Everett asked a great question. What happens if there's stoppage in the stoppage? They add to it. But, so they add but on it's, to the but it's, additional but it's, time? It's, yes, but it's sort of arbitrary oh. because it, there's not more time on cause it. They don't add the, more time physically. to. They don't do yeah, it literally. The referee they, just they lets just you keep playing. They just continue to make yeah. guesses. The referee just kind of lets you play for another two minutes. I mean, this is where, I mean, Mouse Cop is on a roll here today. He says, this extra time is not a hard concept to understand. Nobody is suggesting, Mouse Cop, it's a hard concept to understand. And he says, the, uh, the soccer hate is tired. This isn't soccer hate. Um, who was it that added? Said they are actually looking into doing away with this in soccer. I don't know if it's uh, true or not. Um, Joey Horn says stoppage play is idiotic and that fans always complain about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... So, Mouse Cop, come on. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not exactly a fan of stoppage time either. Um, but listen, here's the thing. Um, soccer has not really changed a whole lot. But here, as of late, they are talking about adding new rule changes. Um you know, like the offsides rule. The offsides rule sucks. The FIFA's trying the new offsides rule, which we didn't really talk about here on this show, but it could really change the sport. Oh, entirely. boy, would it ever. You'd increase some goals now. Of course, and that's what everyone complains about. And I do, too. I, I think there should be more goal scoring. But um, I think these are, are reasonable, but taking it to the level that soccer is just – not a good sport entirely is just no like, I, that, that, I say it all the time it's a great sport yeah it's a great sport i just think there are some things they could do for the fans and yeah. that's and, and the stoppage thing is i think that's a legitimate concern 
When you're sitting there watching a game, you really don't know how much time is left in the game. Because, look, I haven't been to TQL, right? Yeah. But, it's I mean, there's TQL. not like some clock up there that tells you how much time is left in the game, and then next to it is how much time is going to be added in stoppage play, right? It, no, you don't have that up there? It's much worse at TQL because they don't even show you the, the stoppage time. It just ends at 90 minutes, and then they announce what the time is. And and you got to remember you it. You just got to remember it. And there's no, there's no clock that tells you, like, seven minutes. And it doesn't count down from seven minutes. It just – there's no clock to even look at for the extra time. So that's why it gets even more hate because – some of these stadiums don't even show the extra time. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, I'm talking about, you know, I'm just talking about so fans truly know. You know when you go to a baseball game, you're going to play at least eight and a half, if not nine innings. You know when you go to a basketball game, that each quarter is going to be a certain amount of time. And when that time expires, if you go to overtime, you don't know how much time is on the clock. Football, same deal. I just don't understand why you can't, you know, um, why you can't figure that out. All right, anyway. Tom, in, in other sports headlines that we probably are not going to spend too much time on, uh, but I've seen a, multiple people bring it up in the chat. Uh, USA basketball beat Germany yesterday, but it was really the USA Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Kentucky's on an international tour. Big already. Blue. Yeah. Big blue? Cal coaching that team. Cal. And I got to say, Cal. I'll give it to Cal. I, I give it up to Cal. I, I've been really hard on Cal in the last year or two, especially last year where he just has this exorbitant amount of talent and it looks like he's not doing a whole lot to coach him. They were shooting threes yesterday. You know, Brian B points out in the chat, DJ Wagner looked really good yesterday. And, you know, Germany's not – the team that Germany ran out there was not very good. Like, uh, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio, I think it was who it was, compared him to like a 14 seed in NCAA tournament. Okay. So, not we're not talking about a good team. We're, we're talking about a mid-major that kind of gives you a little run and you get some action in the summer. But, uh, yeah. U.S. US beats Germany. That's a headline I figured you'd care about. Brian B. says, or Fred, I'm sorry, says Kentucky is America's team. They were last night, at least. I mean, the Reds are saying they're America's team, right? (laughs) UK's right down the road. Why can't they be America's team? Sure. I I mean, come on. They had USA written across their jerseys, right? They were... Literally America's team last night. Yeah, the Reds aren't going to be wearing USA across their jerseys. So, I mean, if we're just basing it on what's on your jersey, then Kentucky is America's team. Do you feel that way, Jacob, when they come rolling into Tuscaloosa to play football or basketball? No, no. Basketball especially. Yeah, basketball especially. We actually go to Lexington for football this year, so I'm excited to see Kroger Field for the first time. I hear that's a cool place. I've heard very good things. Yeah, I've heard that's a really cool place to watch a game. It's a fun field. Yeah. Elliot, you go go to much uh, college football or no? College football, not not a ton, but UC basketball, I go to a ton. So I, I, I do enjoy a good UC basketball. Wes Miller. Wes Miller, baby. Wes Wooden. What? Wes Wooden. Wes Wooden. Now, now, why would you say that? <laughs> that's what they call no, him. No, that's not what they call him. Nobody calls do they him. Call, Hop on the internet streets. Him. That, that is coming from his agent. Hop on the internet streets. That's what that's many people are right. saying. That's right. That's that world of hate. That's what many that's, people are saying. That Xavier so fans are saying. So much hate from a guy who's I just seen a call, I compared so him to the hate. greatest coach of all time. So much hate. Paul, has your coach ever been on the show? Here's all I know. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth, Jacob. All I know is, is Wes Wooden to coach you, uh, to to, to borrow your phrase, 
he, he's a friend of the program. Yeah. That's all I is. know. That's all I know. He is. As is, uh, uh, golly day. Um, how am I drawing a blank? Coach Horn. Darren Horn. Of course. Another friend of the program. We love So we Darren. have, let's see, last year you had three big-time college basketball teams in town. You had UC, you had Xavier, and you had Northern Kentucky. Okay, what do two of those have in common? <laughs> two of them have very kind head coaches that were willing to come on this program. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, fellas, uh, here we go with the Red Legs. And we got Danny Graves coming up shortly. Really excited for this guy. I, you know, I had never read um, this article, and I asked him if it was okay if we talked about it today. Um, Danny Graves came in a few years ago, I think back in 2019, and did some games on radio with my dad. And so we were traveling together, and it's the first time I'd ever been around him because I wasn't working for the Reds uh, during his entire playing career. I was already, you know, with a cub, or by the time he came up uh, in Arizona. But um, there was an article written by Bobby Nightingale Jr. in 2019 when Danny was traveling with the Reds and doing some of those games on the radio, as I mentioned, uh, about all of the battles that he faced from a personal standpoint. I had no idea. I don't know how I missed that article in 2019 uh, about the uh, – Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, depression. Um, and that was right after signing a three-year, $17 million contract. Um, went through a divorce uh, and just completely spiraled out of control. Uh, all the way down to a story, which we'll let him tell later, where he found himself literally walking out of a, a party in New Jersey where he's pitching independent league ball. Uh, and, and he went outside and just laid down uh, right off the, the street in front of this apartment. And uh, he had to get a teammate to carry him home. And it's, I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, but he's being honored this weekend for what he did on the mound. He's the all-time saves leader for the Reds. Uh, and so we will visit with Danny Graves and talk about this weekend. It's going to be a big weekend. we got Bronson Arroyo tomorrow. Uh, I think everybody feels like, and who would have thunk it, guys, uh, that the... You know, they're tired of waiting around for the Reds to start playing again. They're yeah. ready to go starting tomorrow night. Yeah. And we have Monday night, our big Chatterbox Sports night. Now, look, here's the deal, okay? We've got Chatterbox Sports that uh, used to be Cincinnati Bell um, uh, Riverboat Deck out there in center field. It's an awesome place. I've been there many, many times. Um, here's what you can do, Okay. So you can buy a ticket for, what is it, $100? Yeah. But let me tell you what this includes now. If you go to our Chatterbox Sports store and our newly released merchandise, for 100 bucks, now think about this for a second, okay? For $100, you will get four Chatterbox Sports t-shirts, and we've got some really cool t-shirts in there. I mean, really cool stuff. Agreed. So you get four t-shirts... You get a ticket to the riverboat, which includes an entire dinner buffet. And how many, what, two drink tickets? Yeah. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> beers alone, right? If, you, if it yeah. isn't that night when you, uh, all you drunkards go down there <laughs> where it's three bucks or whatever it is. Uh, a normal beer is like eight, nine, ten bucks, right? Yep. 
Oh, Tom, it's more than that. Is yeah, it? It's oh, like yeah. 13. It's like 14. 13. Okay, we'll say with a tip maybe or 15. Right. Bucks. If, yeah. you get, if you get two beers, there's 30 right there, right? The ticket costs you another whatever, right? Sitting on the riverboat, it's not a cheap ticket. That's a nice spot. I mean, come on. So, again, go to our chatterboxsports.com page. We have a store there, okay? And, and go ahead and get the four T-shirts along with a ticket and come join us on Monday night. Giants are going to be in town. Yeah, you can buy the ticket for $100, but you might as well get the four shirts with it. I mean, somebody asked, can I just buy the ticket? But the ticket's $100. Four shirts plus the ticket for free is $100. So you might as well get some Chatterbox store, uh, Chatterbox sports merch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we were inviting everybody um, to come down and join us on Monday night. Of all the games during the week now, not Friday nights, but is is – are the games during the week now all of them 7 instead of 640? Yeah. 710. 710. Okay. Uh, so come on down. We'd love to have you. Uh, we're all going to be hanging out up there. Uh, Sir Boy Wonder says he's going to be shotgunning beers. Ooh. Are you going to join him? Shotgunning beers? Yeah. Uh, unlikely. <laughs> that's not a no, Unless Tom. It's, Unless I would. It's a I would that's, that's right. I'm no. Christopher Ray. I will neither confirm nor deny. Uh, no, but I'm not, I, I am confirming. There's no such thing. as I, I am not shotgunning beers, but I am excited to see Sir Boy Wonder and all the others that are coming down for that night. Anybody here surprised that Graham Ashcraft is getting the first game after the All-Star? And not, not that that means anything. It's not earth-shattering news. And Elliot, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I saw, so they have, the Brewers being they, they have the uh, Corbin Burnsy going out on that opening night. And my, my, my initial thought, and I don't know if they do this in the MLB, Tom, but if you put your best against their best, you're risking not winning that game with your best. So maybe they're kind of not tanking, but putting Abbott on game two so they have a better chance to win game two opposed to a very close game, game one. Does that happen in the MLB? Because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I was thinking David Bell maybe using some mind, mind tricks there where we maybe have a less pitcher facing their best as a way to maybe give Abbott a better chance to win game two? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are many things that are playing into this. Um, you know, look, as great as Abbott has been, his most recent start was not a good one against this very same team. Gave up six runs. Uh, the most he's allowed. Got his first loss. Um, <clears throat> and Ashcraft, the last two games, has been really good. Yeah, he's looked great. He's looked back to that. I mean, the first month of the season, he was one of the best pitchers in the whole National League. So if he can get back to right around there, then we're sitting real pretty. I mean, yeah. we're talking about adding a pitcher at the deadline. Getting what Graham Ashcraft used to be right around now would be a massive boost to this team. It's also interesting that uh, there must be something to it, and we'd have to look up the splits here. There must be something to it with right-handers against this Milwaukee lineup. Now, you know that Yelich is a left-handed batter, right? And you like to equalize him as much as you can. But you can't live in a perfect world. But it's interesting that uh, it has to bear out numbers. You guys check this out, what the Brewers are against right-handed pitching as opposed to left-handed pitching. Because uh, Ben Lively just came off the injured list, pitched a really good game against this Brewers team, lost one nothing to Wade Miley. Um, and they're going with Lively in the third game rather than, say, Brandon Williams, who is a left-hander, right? Brandon, 228 against lefties, 233 against righties. All right, so, so not, not okay. Bad. All right, okay. 
Um, this is a big-time series. Uh, and we mentioned that 16 games in a row. So the Reds go three against Milwaukee at home. They get the Giants in town for four starting Monday. Chatterbox Sports Night, Monday night. That in and of itself will mean it's the biggest crowd of the year. You have three after that at home against the Arizona Diamondbacks, the leaders of the National League's Western Division. Then you go on the road. And, man, you talk about a brutal road trip. It's only a two-city trip. But you go to Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers. And then you come all the way back for a three-game series against the Brewers. Paul, these days are over of playing Colorado, you know, some of these teams they've been playing. I mean, the only, you know, you, you look back on this run where they've won, what, 20 of their last 25. A lot of those games, most of those games, I mean, they've been sprinkled in there with Atlanta, Milwaukee. Sure. You know, but by and large, it's been a run against teams you should beat. Yeah, and the Reds are going to have this stretch here in the next few weeks where it's a, it's a tougher part of their schedule, and also it leads into the trade deadline. So there are a lot of things going on here, a lot of other factors at play, not just who they're actually going to line up against on the field. And the question that we brought up yesterday on Box Lunch, Tom, was about the Reds and what they might end up doing at the trade deadline. And, and we're getting to a point in the season where I'm beginning to wonder if the Reds really make any moves at all. If anything, they sell off guys like Stevenson or, you know, potentially in India or a, a Fraley, some of those guys. But, you know, the the starting pitching that we keep talking about is going to be Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo coming back whenever that is. That's that's the, the starting pitching that we talk about trading for. That's what's going to end up happening. So then in the end, what do the what do the Reds do at the deadline? Who do they <coughs> trade? Who do they try to get? Well, you're getting to a point now, at least to me, where I wonder what are they going to end up doing? What what are they going to trade? And um, along with that, yeah, as far as the schedule goes, you have these teams like the Dodgers, who you know, the Reds have beat the Dodgers this year. Um, the Reds, you know. They're, you're going to have six games in the next four series against the Brewers. It's huge because you don't play the Brewers again after that. People don't realize that. You play the Brewers in, to, in you, tomorrow, then you have the homestand, then you play the Brewers again. What? That's exactly right. Look oh. at Casey. He's got the Viking helmet ready to go. You gonna wear that every I was, day? I was leaving that for you, Casey. Well, I, I'm obviously going to be wearing this. Monday with Corey, $10 super chat, bringing my Viking helmet. I'll see you guys there. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Um, Derby Stardom says, look, you know, he says, look, look at the teams they play because I made reference to it a second ago. Look, I always say it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Okay? So when they, they lost that final game against the Dodgers, okay, back on June the 8th, this is when they started to get it rolling which included a 12-game win streak, right? St. Louis stinks. Kansas City stinks. Houston has three-fifths of their starting rotation on the injured list. But credit to them, they go in there and sweep them. Colorado stinks. 
I mentioned Atlanta, right? Okay, so they lose uh, two out of three to Atlanta. Baltimore's okay. Baltimore's not great. But they're having a good year, so fine. San Diego stinks. Washington really stinks. And then you lose two out of three to the Brewers. So, I mean, come on. Come on. The, the, who they've been playing compared to what they're getting ready to play. And I don't think the, uh, I don't think the Giants or the Diamondbacks are, you know, these juggernaut teams. I don't think Milwaukee is either. But the bottom line is each and every opponent, as I said a little while ago, that they're getting ready to play over the next 16 games uh, is at least seven games over 500. It's interesting to note that after that Milwaukee series, you know, when you look at the red schedule, and again, I, I normally don't get too wrapped up in it because, again, it's, it's when you play them. You don't know what's going to be going on. You take the Dodgers, for example. If I'm not mistaken, four-fifths of their starting rotation from where they began the year is currently on the injured list. Or is it all five? I don't know if it's all five, but I know a lot of them are hurt. So it's it's brutal. I mean, it's not. It, we're not facing the best Dodgers we're, we we can see. So, I, I and to and to Tom's point, I think the Reds have struggled a bit against the best of the best um, when they have their best. The Astros are missing a ton of guys, as he as as Tom said. I, I think this next stretch, August gets brutal. August is one of the most brutal months we've seen, and the Reds have historically struggled in that month. You have the Marlins, you have the Guardians, Blue Jays, Angels. Giants again, Diamondbacks again. So it's this next month and a half will decide if this team is a playoff team or not. But credit to the Reds. They've, they've taken care of business against the bad teams, and that's all you can really ask. So take care of business against the bad teams. Try your best against the best of the best, and we'll see where we are come the trade deadline. Am I, am I missing something here when I continue to read in the chat about look at that September schedule about how easy it is? I've really never taken the time yeah, to look at it. September but, is... Okay, well, well, hang on a minute now. Okay. okay. Is Seattle terrible? No. They're not terrible, they're not but they're, terrible. Not, they're, they're not, not good. Right. I would say they're not in the playoffs right now, yeah? Correct. But, but they're above 500. Mm, they're right around it. Okay. Right, if, I don't know. They're, they're, they're one game above 500. Okay, above. all right. Okay, you're talking about the Cardinals in there who stink, but they're the Cardinals, right? The I mean, you've got to play them home and on the road in that month. The New York Mets are having a terrible year. Terrible year. Atrocious. Biggest disappointment in Major League Baseball. But you're going into New York. Tough place to play. Last time I checked, Minnesota, again, right around 500. Terrible division. But they're not a terrible team. They're not terrible. Not terrible. They're not Nationals terrible. They're not Colorado terrible. Right? So, Cleveland, got them again in September. I mean, look, there are better teams you could be playing. That's for sure. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not getting wrapped up in that conversation about uh, terrible teams in September. Because, again, you don't know what the makeup of that team is going to look like by the time you play them. I mean, it's conceivable that a team like Minnesota, they could go out and swing a deal to try and win that division. Yep. They're, a pretty, they're a pretty ballsy team when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, they like trying to make stuff happen. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, first and foremost, you got the Brewers starting tomorrow night. Place is going to be packed, I'm sure, over the weekend, or at least I would suspect it'll be packed over the weekend. Understand the weather's supposed to be really good. Only a small chance of rain on Saturday. You got the Reds Hall of Fame weekend. And, and, and let me say before Danny Graves comes on here in a couple of minutes. Look, you can say whatever you want. 
about Reds ownership and the product, how much they value the fans, whatever it might be. But I will tell you one thing. When it comes to the big events for the Reds, they do a phenomenal job. And they ask everybody in the offices, all hands on deck. Doesn't matter whether you work in accounting, in marketing, in sales, whatever it might be. All hands on deck for weekends like this weekend, the Hall of Fame weekend. I don't know how much extra cash anybody has floating around. So I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. I don't want you telling me how to spend my money. But I will tell you this. The coolest event the Reds have, and they do it every other year, is when they have their Hall of Fame induction. They used to do it downtown at the uh, Duke Energy Center. I'm sure that's probably where they still do it. It's yeah. where Reds Fest is. Is it still called that, Duke Energy Center? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I'm telling you, if you're a Reds fan to go to that thing, and just about all of them come back for it, just about every single, all the Reds Hall of Famers, they all come back, and they've got these red jackets, and they, inter, they get introduced, and they come walking in, you know, whether it's Eric Davis or, you know, Barry Larkin, going all the way back to Jim Maloney, Jack Billingham. I mean, you name it. Now, Sean Casey, unfortunately, won't be able to come this year because he's a new hitting coach for the Yankees. But just, it, it is an unbelievable event to go to. And so they got a lot of stuff going on. If you're going down the ballpark, my understanding is there, there are times, designated times for different Reds Hall of Famers to meet and greet fans in the Reds Hall of Fame, right? Yep. They got all that going on all weekend, right? Correct. And then before the game on Saturday is when they do for those in the ballpark, they introduce and quote unquote induct the current class. And I think each of them speaks up there, right? I think so. That's how they've done it in the past. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, it is, it is extraordinarily well done. Um, okay, we're waiting on Danny Graves. Any word from him yet? Uh, we're checking in with him. Trying to talk to him right now. Okay, really excited about having Danny. He, you know, um, he, he's just such a great dude. He's been doing a lot of uh, college baseball these days in the ACC. Calling college baseball virtually every single day down there. Uh, and, and he got a firsthand look of the kid who was drafted number one um, by the Reds a couple of days ago. Check out Danny Graves. There he is, man. How you doing, Danny? Hey, what's happening? Man, so you, I was sitting here listening to, listening to you talk, and I'm like, hey, Tom, I'm here. Obviously, you didn't hear me then. <laughs> I didn't hear. Where are you, man? You look like you're somewhere pretty sweet. So I'm in uh, Chicago at the United Center uh, doing uh, shows for Stadium. So we got our production meeting as soon as I get done with this. And uh, it, it is pretty sweet here. I love Chicago. You know I love Chicago. I know you love Chicago, too. It's a great yep. city. Great town. All right, listen, uh, you're, you're going into the Reds Hall of Fame. Um, you know, you hear guys a lot of times say it really hasn't hit me yet. You're generally a guy who just kind of tells it like it is. You're not afraid to wear your emotions on your sleeve. How, how are you feeling about this weekend? You know, it's, it's like you said, I don't really know that it's hit me all the way yet. Obviously, I know it's happening because I'm trying to get my speech going, and it's uh, driving me crazy. It's keeping me up at night, Tom. I don't know, I don't know what I'm – like this is one of those times that I don't know what to say. 
believe it or not. And you know me, I, I usually know what to say, but this is one of those that like, I just don't want to leave anybody out. You know, I, I want most of my speech to just be thanking the people that helped me uh, achieve this goal. Um, and it's, it's a tremendous honor. And, and, you know, like I said, I was hearing you talking about this whole procedure and the whole hall of fame thing. They put on a good show, man. And, and, and I'm just looking forward to being able to actually have that same jacket as some of these other dudes. Like, that's that's what's going to be crazy that I'm going to have the same jacket as Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and you know everybody on the big red machine like it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> well, hey look, you went out as I, you and I were talking on the phone the other day. I mean, you went out and earned it, Danny. I mean, you know, the oldest franchise in the history of Major League Baseball and you have more saves than anybody. Um you know, to kind of turn back the clock, you, you know, when you were in college at the University of Miami of Florida. And by the way, you finished your degree there, didn't you? Oh my gosh, that's funny you say that. In, in a few weeks, I will. Yeah, yeah. You I'm know, on congratulations I, I on that. I know that's got to mean a lot to you. It, so much, and that's that's another thing I've been doing this week, trying to get my assignments done along with my speech. It's it's crazy, but that that's huge to me. And I know, like, my mom doesn't know it's going to happen this uh, in a few weeks, so I'm going to surprise her with it when it does, and she's going to lose it, man. I think she's going to be more excited about a degree than me going in the Hall of Fame. You know, I want to talk about your mom for a minute because your mom and dad met during the Vietnam War. Your dad was yes. over there, a serviceman. Uh, your mom is um, from Vietnam. Uh, you were born there. And, and your family yeah. had to get out of there uh, before the fall of Saigon and all that kind of thing. And you come to the United States. Uh, now, I, I, if I remember right, you were only about five, six years old. But I mean, wow. What a shock, yeah. leaving Vietnam yeah. and coming to the U.S. Yeah, so I was actually – I wasn't that old yet. Uh, I was 14 months old. Okay, I'm sorry. I, okay. Yeah, so my brother, my brother was three, so he kind of not really remembered it, but he was aware of what was happening. But I think the way that you just talked about how we got out of there, nobody's ever mentioned it like that. And I tried to tell them we had to get out. The fall of Saigon was about to happen, and they told the – the soldiers, if, you know, you and your families need to get out now uh, or else you're going to be stuck here. And, and who knows what would have happened um, being stuck there. So we got out right before the fall of Saigon, thankfully. And then uh, and then here we are, you know, so I, I'm, I'm so proud of my dad and what he did for this country and and proud that my mom and, and, and me and my brother were able to come over. You come over and you go to Braden, Florida, if I'm not mistaken, and that's where you grow up and you're a big star pitcher. You commit to the University of Miami of Florida. You're the big star. I mean, you're arguably the best college pitcher there is. You're drafted by Cleveland. But during the College World Series, you blow an ACL. Talk about bad luck. You had to be going, are you kidding me? Were you worried about even getting signed after that happened? Yeah, it's because, you know, coming up to the draft, Tom, I, I had already like told everybody I'm not going back to school. Like I, I'm signing. It doesn't matter where I get drafted. I'm going to sign. And so the draft was on a Thursday, um, drafted in the fourth round, talked to the people from Cleveland. And then Saturday was the we had the opening game of the College World Series. So this happened in the ninth inning. I, I tore my ACL and get carried off the field. And the, I didn't even think about the pain, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to play professional baseball now. And I have to go back to school. It was an awful feeling, man. And, and just thankfully, thankfully, Cleveland, um, th their front office at that time was just tremendous. Mark Shapiro, who is now the president of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, was the minor league director there. And um, 
you know, I talked to all those guys and they said, listen, we know that these surgeries, the ACL surgery is something that you can come back from. So take the rest of the, the summer and the fall off and then we'll see how you are in spring training. So long story short, I got to miss short season in Watertown. Yeah, <laughs> so I went straight right. to high A ball. So I got to miss all the, the, the lower levels, which was nice. Well, I mean, but you, I mean, you immediately, what, a year and a half later, you're in the big leagues, you come to the Reds in yeah. the trade, and you immediately, uh, or shortly thereafter, you become the closer, uh, which you were doing in college as well. So it wasn't like you were a starting pitcher going into the bullpen. Uh, the pressure of being a closer. There are some in the analytics world that say, hey, look, anybody can come in and get the 25th, the 26th, the 27th outs. I've never believed that for a second. I'm assuming you don't believe that either. <laughs> not, not for one second at all. Not just anybody can do it. And you've been around this game a lot longer than me, and you've, I'm sure you've seen, just as I have, guys that have so much better stuff than I ever had but could not get those last three outs. And it's a different mentality, man. It's, it's completely different than the outs in the eighth inning. And, you know, unless – Unless somebody has done it, it's hard for them to say that there's nothing to it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. there, there's that, obviously, the, the pressure that you cannot make a mistake. And if you do, you need to make an adjustment quickly or else the game's over. Um, whereas the other innings, you have guys to back you up if needed. So, uh, yeah, I don't believe that for one second about those last three outs are the same. You know, there's so much pressure, as you just mentioned there, uh, in that job. There's a pressure in a lot of jobs. I'm not going to say it's only baseball closers or baseball players, but that job, mm -hmm. as it pertains to the baseball world, is pressure-packed. Game on the line, you got to get them out. If they beat you, it, it, the game's over, just like that. Mm -hmm. um, that that led to a lot of anxiety for you, and, and, and I was talking about an article um, – that was written, beautiful article, I thought, by Bobby Nightingale Jr., who's now moved on to Minnesota, mm -hmm. uh, about all of the things that you were going through at the time. I mean, here you were, one of the best closers in all of baseball. You just get this, I think, three-year, $17, 18000000 million contract. Yet, Danny, you were going home every night, and, and, and things were not such a bright world. N not bright at all. Um, it was, it was tough times, you know, and I think back in those days, the whole nostalgia of um, the macho-ness of a professional athlete. So you had to kind of live that way, you know, but yeah, when I would go home, I just, uh, something wasn't right. I wasn't, wasn't a happy soul. Um, you know, the, the pressures of being a closer were tough, obviously, but then I went into the starting rotation and that pressure of doing that once every five days was even worse for me. And, um, and then to top it off, I was going through a divorce at the time. So there was a lot that was happening uh, off the field for me. And, you know, people think we're invincible, but we're not. And there was, there was times that like, you know, I never wanted to end it, but there was times that I didn't care <laughs> if it was ended. Um, and I just, you know, was kind of putting on a, a face while I was at the field and acting happy. And then I'd, go drink and get just wasted and just drown in my sorrows at home. And uh, it was just one of those things, you know, like people don't understand the, the depth of mental health. Um, thankfully, I'm in a different place right now. And, and obviously there's still some tough times here and there, but uh, I have avenues to get by and, and to, to help me get through those tough times. Um, you know, I see a therapist frequently. Uh, my wife is, is there for me and she's very positive for me 
Uh, and you know, everybody that I deal with in the business, like Tommy, I was so excited to hear from you the other day and stuff like that. You know, the, the guys that I don't see very often in this business. And I, I talk to them occasionally, Sean Casey, there's so many people I have in my life now that, um, that know what I went through and, and they know how to get me through it if I need it. So, um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health right now. And, and I just, I encourage people just to, to not keep it in, you know, find somebody to talk to. And I've even given my email address out to people. I've, I still get people sending me emails about their, their troubles and their daily issues. So, um, we're all in this together, man. That's yep. what I tell them, you know, and it's okay to not be okay, but just, it's not okay to, to not talk to somebody about it. There, there, there's no doubt about it. And we're seeing that more and more and more. And I think it's really cool and admirable that, you know, you're, you're a guy that's not afraid to talk about it now. Uh, Cause there are a lot of people, like you just said, maybe back in those days for you, you weren't ready to talk to other people about it. I mean, you're in this world yeah. you're a major league baseball player and you know, uh, back in those days, not so much anymore, but strangely enough, while you're going through all this stuff, you know, back in those days, and we were talking about this yesterday, um, about how, you know, after, after the game with some of your teammates, instead of sitting down and maybe having a real talk back in those days, it's let, let's get to the bar and talk about it. And the yeah. next thing you know, you're yeah. right back where you started again. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I just think it's incredible that, uh, that, that you're, you're able to share your story and everything you went through. Are you watching the Reds much these days? Uh, is, is now that I'm done with the college baseball stuff, yes, uh, I, I'm watching them often, and I mean the, the, the excitement there, man, is is unbelievable. I, I love that uh, they bring these young kids up, and, and these young kids are producing, and, and I think that's all they needed is a chance to get up there. Now that they're up there, I mean, everybody talks about Ellie De La Cruz and how great he is, and, and I know he's a, he's a superstar. I'm not saying he's not, um, but Andrew Abbott is probably one of the better pitchers in the league, especially for a young guy, a young lefty. Uh, and Matt McClain, dude, he is phenomenal. That's, this kid is a stud. I, I mean, uh, he, he's, he's kind of going under the radar because of uh, Ellie De La Cruz. But, I mean, these young guys, to go along with, you know, Jonathan India and, you know, Joey's back. Uh, Spencer Steer is so legit. They're so much fun to watch. I, I, I love these guys. Let me ask you this, and, and we've asked a number of different guys uh, who, who played in the big leagues, and, and there were some comments made over the weekend by a couple of the Brewers players when the Reds were playing them, Christian Yelich specifically, talking about what it's like to be on a team this time last year, and, and you follow the game very closely, this time last year the Brewers uh, were in first place in the division, and they traded Josh Hader at the deadline, best closer in the league, right? And how he said it just defeated um, uh, the, the, the clubhouse, um, yeah. and, and you just traded this guy away. I, I'm curious, Danny, inside of a clubhouse now as a player, would the Reds be, would there be much talk about, hey, man, if we just go get a guy or if we just go get another starting pitcher, we can win this <laughs> thing. Does that kind of thing go on in a clubhouse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying that the whole team is talking about it, but there's there's a group of guys that are saying, man, if we just get this piece, if we just if they can just you know trade for somebody to get us this kind of help, it, it's always talked about. At least that's how it was when I was playing. I don't know what they talk about these days. They got so many uh, other things, the the analytics and their phones, and we didn't have phones then. So I mean, so we we talked about baseball, and and that's you know we talked about our needs and what we wanted. Um, and, and I remember 
uh, the 99 team, we were begging each other, like, how do we get them to get another starter? How do, what do we, what can we do to talk them in and get another starter? Well, then they end up getting Juan Guzman who helped us, uh, th the rest of the year. Um, so I, I would say they need to be talking about stuff like this, this, you know, obviously they're young and they don't really think they probably need any help, but in reality, every team could use help. I don't care if you're the best team in baseball, every team can use some extra help. Every team can use extra arms in the bullpen or extra starters. So uh, I would hope that these guys are talking about that because they need to realize how good they are and, and the chances that they have, especially with this division that isn't as tough as, as it usually is. Mm -hmm. when, when, you, uh, when you talk about that 99 team, and my dad was on with me yesterday, who you and my dad are, are tight. I mean, you guys are good buddies. Mm -hmm. um, that 99 team, I asked him if this year's team reminds him of that team because my dad has frequently said his favorite all-time team with the Reds uh, was that 99 team. Just a camaraderie, and, and it was a fun club. You guys liked each other. He made the point yesterday the 99 team was a more veteran team than this version yeah. of the Reds. Mm -hmm. But do, do you see similarities in the two teams, or is that kind of a stretch? No, uh, no, I totally see the similarities. I, I think the only um, thing that's different is the the veterans that you mentioned, the experience. This is a bunch of young guys out there that are gelling inside the clubhouse so you can see what they're doing on the field. Like the camaraderie is there. and they, These are guys that actually look like they like each other. And let's be honest, right? Every year you go out and play this game, there's going to be some a few bad eggs on your team that you just don't get along with. But this team doesn't seem that way. And that 99 team wasn't either. You know, uh, there was guys on that team that um, you you just loved being around and you couldn't wait to get to the field to be with them. So um, also that 99 team, Tom, when the walk-off home runs and the, the bounce at home plate, like people don't believe this, but we kind of invented that bounce at home plate. Nobody was doing that before. We started doing it. And the people are still doing it now. And you see that the, this team with the Reds are doing some phenomenal things. It's the excitement. It's the, the true, um, like, this is genuine how they're, they're reacting. You know, their emotions are coming out. And, and it's so fun to see, man. Oh, it, it really, they have been incredibly fun to watch. There's no debate about that. Uh, so these days, you're doing, obviously, still doing some stuff. We loved having you doing the radio. Mm -hmm. I, I still think that they're... There should be a team and going to be a team out there that says, hey, I've listened to this guy a lot, and we got to hire this guy to be a regular part of our broadcast crew. Because you did, And I'm not saying it because you're here. Uh, my dad felt and still feels the same way. But you're getting a chance to do it at the college level now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, most of the stuff I do at the college level is uh, through the studio. Um, I do call some games on TV, but not quite as much. Uh, but I, I love doing the stuff with the Reds, man. Uh, your dad taught me so much just in those few years that I was doing it. And man, it was heartbroken that I didn't get to do it anymore. So, and, and I understand this is business, you know, people come and go, but I loved, absolutely loved doing it. And I felt like I was getting uh, a little bit better. So it's just unfortunate that I couldn't do it with the Reds anymore. But like I said, that's the business. And I'm thankful that other people uh, are giving me opportunities to to keep talking about baseball because I'm sure my wife doesn't want to hear it every day me talking about baseball. <laughs> where are you? Where are you and your family living now, Danny? San Antonio. Yeah. Okay. All right. You like it yeah. down there in Texas? Yep. I do. I do. Yeah. It's it's hot, but it's uh it's a different hot. There's other places in Texas that are more humid, but San Antonio, I, I love it, man. Um, 
it's great down there. Well, Danny, we're just so excited for you. We're so happy for you. And, uh, and man, enjoy every second of this weekend. I, I think you're going to be blown yeah. away at what this weekend is like. So, man, thanks for your time. I know you got other things to do. But good luck and have a good time, and thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Hey, man, Tom, anytime. Thanks for reaching out, man. It was so good to hear from you. All right, all the best, Danny. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. You too, my man. Danny Gray's kind enough to join us. He's a busy man. He's got stuff going on up there in Chicago. I, I, I can't tell you. know, I, I didn't want to get into it with him uh, because I had read about it in the article, and I just didn't think that today was the time or the place to do any of that. You know, the, many people remember the situation that happened in the dugout, right, with Danny Graves and a fan leans over and used a slur against Danny Graves for his Vietnamese background. He was caught on camera flipping the guy off, going off, you know, the, verbally on this one fan. And, and quite honestly, the fan should have been punched and thrown out of the place. Uh, and I think he was thrown out of the place, but not punched, should have been punched. Uh, but, you know, that was a time in his life. And I'm telling you, if you got a little time and, and you go to Cincinnati.com, type in Danny Graves, it might take you a little while to find it. It took me a little while to find it. But this article on this guy's struggles um, are just unbelievable. It was right after he signed. A $17 million contract. One of the things I really wanted to ask him today, and I don't know why I didn't, doggone it. I was trying to figure out, because I wasn't here, why was Danny Graves moved from a closer to a starter? Yeah, I think that's one of the questions a lot of Reds fans have. I've never heard a definitive answer. I mean, I guess somebody can make the argument. You know, after 99, they get Griffey, but they weren't very good. For a long time, during Graves and his career as a Red. Um, but, man, I mean, things fell off the table personally and professionally for him. He goes from signing a three-year, $17 million deal. They make him a starter. It's a disaster. And his life is unraveling on the field and off the field. Two years later, he's pitching an independent league baseball in New Jersey. Broke after the divorce. He went from making, you know, over five-something million dollars a year to making $2,000 a month pitching independent league baseball. So, um, you know, um, wish a guy well. We really wish the guy well. So, uh, anyway, uh, Ham and Eggers, let's take it away. And uh, we're back in a minute. Ham and Eggers, stand tall. <laughs> it's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, we talked about the Bengals a little bit here today, so we'll call it the Bengals Report, and it's brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve productivity. Whoa! No. That's wrong! Oh. Wrong. Efficiency and productivity. Come on, Elliot. I got one of them right. That's because I set them up different today. Well, that's mm. wrong. I'm just keeping you on your toes. Mm. Hey, Elliot, what does Encore Technology support? 
I don't know. IT solutions? Yeah, for a data centered world. They have a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. <laughs> That's true, Paul. Productivity. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I was just trying to help you out. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, there's a new premium alkaline water. It's right here in front of me. Uh, it tastes fantastic. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pana uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at pawneywater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. Hey, Elliot, where can you buy Pawnee water? Where can I buy it? Yeah, thanks for listening. I don't, yeah, no, I don't know. You were reading the ad. Elliot, you can Paul, buy that at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. Look, I don't know what Paul's doing trying to I, quiz me today. I, I Listen, man, you were reading the ad. If you had listened was, to quite literally the last sentence I said, you could have heard that you could buy it at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. We literally have a bottle right there if you didn't know how to spell it either. Elliot, that's P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. This is tough. I was just reading the chat. Sorry, while you were doing your job. That's my bad. Sorry. This is tough. I mean, this is just a tough look from Do Big you League like Pawnee Water? Huh? Do you like Pawnee Water? I love it, Paul. Okay, he loves good. getting wet. He does love getting wet. Pawnee. That, Pawnee Water is also the official sponsor of Elliot Rearing, the zebra, as they say. Listen, I've only been here a month. Once I memorize all these great sponsorships, which they are great, then I'll be able to play your little games, Paul. <laughs> Elliot, I would like to ask you a question. What, Because Paul? we don't give them a lot of verbal pub on this show. Yeah. On Off the Bench, we do on, on all of our other shows, especially not too picky since it's a gambling show. Elliot, what is your favorite sports betting website? Bedford. It's the greatest sports book in the history of the world. Did I get that one right, Paul? You did. You did. And it's also uh, unofficially the... Here's a, Paul, here's a little quiz for you. Okay. <laughs> Paul, here's a little quiz for all you. All right, I'm listening. You said that twice. How many Final Fours does Xavier have, Paul? Oh. What does that have to do with Betfred? It doesn't have anything to do with it. But we're just quizzing Now you're just other. lashing out. This we're is just, sad. Well, yeah, but you're just This is sad. This is sad. And I don't mean to ask that. You know what this is? This is sad. Because I know Mouse Cops is Xavier fan in here. This is sad. Because all you did was lash out there. I asked you a simple question about a sponsor, and now you're lashing out. That's It's it's sad. It's really sad scenes. You could have gone with anything. Listen, I... You Listen, steeped that low. I, I did. He was he's quizzing me on things. I was looking at the chat trying to trying to entertain. I understand. P A H H N I water.com. Are we going back on it? What are we doing here? I'm just giving Pawnee I'm Water. Well, I just I just I just simply I simply I simply asked Elliot where he could purchase Pawnee Water. Right. As I read the sponsorship every day here on the show. Right. I Got read it right here. Got it right here. Yep. Pawnee Water, P A H H N I Water.com, and local gas stations, all the rest. I asked Elliot where you could buy it. I don't know if he didn't hear my question or what, but he just didn't have an answer. Well, for I me. was reading the chat, Tom. I was doing. I was reading the chat because usually when when Paul reads the ads, he does a great job. I, I come in here, I read the chat, see what the chat has to say. And during the middle of my reading, Paul asked me a question that I clearly did not hear right. because I was not paying attention right. to Paul as he does his job. So I, he, and then he did it again, and then he's done it again, and he's just quizzing me. I don't know what's going on with Paul. Mm. Oh, I was just, I was just hoping for a little sponsorship out of I'm you, bad at tests, Paul. I'm bad at them. <laughs> You're a bad test taker? Bad test taker. I, I got a 24 in my ACT. That was a super score. Mm. That was four attempts, and I, and I, and that, you add them all up, and I still only got a 24. That was my first attempt. 
What was that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that under his he, breath? What did he say? I didn't say uh, that. What did he say? He said, what did he say? He said that was my first attempt. That was his first scores? attempt. ACT yeah. scores around the room. Didn't we hear a story yesterday, Casey, about how you ran over a family of raccoons, <laughs> and you're talking about bragging about tests, huh, guy? You pushed a cow down the stairs. You broke its legs. That's what you did, Casey. <laughs> Do that. You kidding me? Everybody's ganging up on me. I'm just gonna start firing shots. Let me ask you the a zebra. question, Elliot. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Where did the nickname the zebra come from? Mo. So I was on. I was working with Mo Egger, my very good friend Mo Egger, and and during the show I was wearing a zebra necklace, and I was a what? A, a zebra necklace. What is a zebra necklace? So you know what? It, it's just a. It's just a necklace with a zebra. Okay. Little, to sell like. Okay. Okay. All right. Just a regular thing. I got it at the zoo a long time ago. Uh, and, and when, you know, when, when you work at 700 or iHeart, whatever, 1530, we don't, we're not in the same room, but we use like FaceTime. So the producer can see the host and Mo looked over and saw that I was wearing a zebra necklace. So ever since that day, he called me zebra and that is stuck since that day, about a year ago. So that's how it is. I, I, I he just called me the zebra out of the blue. So there you have necklace. it. There you have it. That's it. All right. I want to ask you guys to give me for you. I want you to give me. I want you to give me two things that you want to see happen for the Reds. It could be a trade. It could be bringing somebody up from the minor leagues. It could be changing the batting order, right? I think that's been a big thing for a lot of people about, you know, this batting order thing. India, three-hole, right? Yep. Friedel against left-handers dropped down to the seventh spot a lot of times, even though he hits left-handed pitching very, very well. Uh, it could be anything. Could be anything you want. Two things you want to see in the next 17 days besides winning games. Okay? And what would those two things be? <clears throat> Casey, I'm going to start with you. I was actually going to ask to go first because I, I, I thought of two things that popped in my head immediately okay? when you Good. said that. I want Ellie De La Cruz to go above and beyond. Just, just be the number one batter the number one is he not that already infielder i was about to say out well he might be but i want it to be like stamped like this okay. guy he's all top of three okay. no not, not hall of fame i just want him to be top three the rest of the year right okay and the second thing i want is for dream weaver to go undefeated for at least the month of july <laughs> that's right Three more just wins. so we can, just so <laughs> three more keep, wins on a Dreamweaver in July. Just so we Two can more, keep maybe. this. Uh, We're gonna run that again going. today before we get out of it. That is going to be the way we end every show from now on. Because it's that good. Do you know who sang that? You told me yesterday. I'm oh not gonna, my God! You got to be kidding me. I'm God. not gonna know it today. Either. Gary Wright. Thank you. Thank what is you, it? Paul. Gary Wright. Well, maybe Wright. if you were listening, you would have heard what I said. Here we go oh. again. I'm not gonna get into this again. I'm not gonna get into this again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to come at you, Paul. I'm not going to do it I'm not coming again. at you. I'm yeah, just you are. I'm yeah, just you there. are. No, I'm not. Paul, you are. You are. I'm just simply asking the question. Some would argue you're bullying me. No. Bully let's league, not go Paul. Low. BLP, oh, bully let's league, no go. Paul. Let's not, look, let's not go low. Answer the question. You're next, Paul. Okay, Paul, you're next. All right. Two things you want to see happen. I would like to see uh, – do we want – are you asking players specifically or just anything out of the Reds? Anything out of the Reds. I would like to see the Reds win at least three games against the Brewers out of the six because that would mean that the, the they've split 
okay. against the Brewers. I think That's three right. out of six is, is fine with the way the Brewers have kind of bullied the Reds this season. Okay. So I'll take three out of six against that. Okay. And I, I would like to see uh, – I'm i trying to figure out how to word this. Um, if it means that the Reds take two out of three in that second series, win one this weekend and take two out of three the next time they play the Brewers and maybe put a little pressure on them going into the deadline, that's fine. And uh, second thing is – I'd like to see Graham Ashcraft continue what he did in his last two starts. Okay. Okay. Because Good. his last two starts, he's looked much closer to what the Reds need him to be. And I think a lot of the success of the rest of the season is going to depend on dependable starting pitching. And if they can get some of that out of Graham Ashcraft instead of what he was producing in May and June, that'll be good. Okay. All right. Uh, Jacob? Well, number one, first and foremost, I would say get positive news on Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Fair. I don't think they're going to pitch before the trade deadline, at least not for the Reds, but I need some concrete good news on the two of them so we know where we stand when that time rolls around. And, I mean, Paul hit the nail on the head with splitting against the Brewers. I was going to say I want four. I want four of the six. I want to win this second half series, if you will, against the Brewers. I mean, they've had our number for – what feels like three, four years now, getting that monkey off our back and really taking the reins of the division is, is crucial. I want Jonathan India to come back to form here. He's struggled mightily uh, the past month and a half, I'd say. He's been horrible. So I need Jonathan India to come back to form, prove that he is a, a, a very vital piece of this, of this franchise. And then secondly, I, I need the Reds to make the postseason. At this point, I, I agree with Tom that it would be very disappointing for the Reds not to make the playoffs. I think going into a tank, a spiral out of control to end the season would be a disaster for me personally. So the Reds making the postseason would be my would be my biggest one. Okay, um, for me, you know, look, I, I've been on the bandwagon all along about you got to make a deal because you just don't know. We we're talking to my dad yesterday. This team is not the 1976 Cincinnati Reds. When that season ended in a four-game sweep in the World Series, a best-of-five three-game sweep in the League Championship Series, won 102 games in the regular season, nobody in their right mind would have believed that they would not make the playoffs the next year, that they wouldn't make the playoffs the next year. The next year, they'd get bounced in the LCS in 79. And then, as dark as dark can get, Thereafter, for a long time, until 1990. Uh, yeah, I take that back. Mid-80s, they started to get better because they had all those young players come up. Um, but even that group, okay? I mean, really, you put that group into perspective with the current crop, okay? Of Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo, Paul O'Neill. Now, he would get traded. Um, Cal Daniels, Tom Browning, Norm Charlton, Rob Dibble. All of these guys were these young fleet of guys that came to the big leagues roughly at the same time. Managed by Pete, Lou comes in, win the World Series in 90. They did not make the playoffs again until 1995. And even then, you're reloading with now even some a younger crop of players. Reggie Sanders 
guys like that. So, I mean, would I like to bet if I were a betting man on the future of the Reds and making the playoffs? Absolutely, because of the talent. But right now, you know at the All-Star break, you have a lead in your division, a bad division. It's better than the American League Central, but it's not very good. You got to go out and make a deal. And if you got to trade some guys you don't want to trade, you know what? I mean, the fan base might kill you. I don't know. But you got to show the fans that you want to win, in my opinion. I think one of the knocks on this franchise and ownership is, and it's interesting because Paul Daner Jr. crossing into the Bengals, he did that fan survey, right? And one of the questions that was asked, and then he stacked up those numbers from the same time going to, to 2020, the year Burrow gets here, right? And one of the questions that was asked was, do you feel like ownership values you as a fan? 91% of those that took part in the survey, 91%. I don't know if I've ever seen a number like this from any professional sports team. 91% said, absolutely, I feel like the Bengals value me as a fan. Now, you could say, well, winning certainly took care of all that. And you'd probably be right. If you took that survey before this season started for the Reds franchise, it's probably safe to say that's a pretty low number, right? Yeah. Pretty low number. Well, now all of a sudden... You got this feel-good story coming. You got all these young players coming. And now it's on ownership or the baseball people to decide, are we all in or are we going to just stay the course? Are we, are, are we going to refrain from trading any of our young players? So that's number one. You, you got to make a deal. Of course, the question then becomes is, who are you willing to trade? Are you willing to trade some of your big-time prospects that are down in the minor leagues? Do you consider trading some of the current major league players? You know, India's name always comes up. What about Tyler Stevenson? You look at his numbers so far this year. They are not good. Bad. He has the third most at-bats on the team. And he has one of the worst batting averages. He has one of the worst on-base percentages. And he has one of, the, one of the worst OPS on the team. And he has the third most at-bats on the team. This was a guy you were thinking to yourself when the season began that really we only have two guys that you would look at as long-term guys to build your team around, right? India and Stevenson. So would you consider doing it? The other thing is, I don't know what Christian Encarnacion Strand has to do to get to the big leagues. And you can say, well, where are you going to play him? What are you going to do with him when you get here? All I know is, and, and Votto, obviously, seven home runs. He's come back. Uh, his batting average might be, you know, very, but, but again, nobody's getting worked up about it. Votto's been an impact guy. There's no doubt about it. Went through that 0 for 20-something, but, but – 
in a big series against Milwaukee, he was the best player on the team on offense, most productive player on the team, where some of the young guys didn't do anything. Um, but, look, I don't know, and you don't know, and nobody knows. Nick Crawl doesn't know. Christian Encarnacion Strand doesn't know. What's going to happen when he gets to the big leagues? But I'd take my chances with him as my DH every day. So would I. Yeah, me too. At this point, what he's doing in AAA, why not? This guy is hitting nearly 320. He's got 20 bombs and knocked in, what, almost 60 runs. Right? Yep. His OPS is, is one point something, right? Yep. It's, off the, it's insane what he's doing. We were looking at his minor league numbers in general. This guy has not even had 850 at-bats as a minor leaguer. Think about that for a minute. 850 at-bats. If you were playing every day in the big leagues, that would be like a year and three quarters. Or a year and, yeah, a little more than a year and three quarters. This dude's knocked in almost 200 runs. It's impressive. I, I don't know, you know, look, that's on David Bell to figure out who you're going to play and where you're going to play him. But don't you have to get him up here? Yeah, and I would have argued, I mean, he got injured right out of spring training, but that he had a phenomenal spring training yeah. too. So I was calling for him to come up then. Obviously, the injury postponed that, and that's fine. But he's excelled anybody anybody's expectations right now. I, 321, 392. 1.012 is what his OPS is, Tom. I, I, I think he has a place in this roster, but the issue, and, and the issue will be until Tyler Stevenson can figure out how to catch, is that we have three catchers occupying space on the roster. The only, the only there's, two, there's two options, cut, cut Casale or Maley, or you send Stevenson down. Jacob said it before the show, they're not going to send Stevenson they're down. They're not, he's right. So you have to cut one of them. Pick one of them. I'd argue Casale uh, is has been has been far worse uh, offensively, at least. Casale so, also doesn't play. Yeah, Casale doesn't exclusively play. Exclusively catches Hunter Green. So we you, something has to be figured out with the catcher situation before Strand can get brought up. Uh, but it, it needs to happen. If you, if you're trying to win baseball games, Strand is absolutely a better option than one of those all of those three catchers. So cut one of them, send one of them down. Something needs to happen there. Uh, David Brown brings up, you know, he, David, you're spot on on this deal. He says, if Stevenson, if you're going to start tinkering with the roster here in Encarnacion Strand, you got to get Stevenson back to catching four or five days a week. Yep. Right? Yep. You got to let go of a third catcher. David suggests Encarnacion Strand then gets promoted. He becomes a DH and platoons a little bit with Votto at first base. I think that's the way it should be. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. Paul, I, any thoughts on that? Yeah, Casey? I, I'm with you. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I agree. Maybe the whole reason why he's not been playing well defensively is because he's just not had the opportunities, like we've said before many, many times, to consistently play there four or five times. A Who's that? Steve oh, Steve, yeah, like we had yeah. the conversation with uh, Bill Schroeder last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I think there's something to – there is merit to that. I think – I think that's what you got to do. If that's the future plan anyways, you might as well just do it now. Yep. Because he's going to show whether or not he can do it the rest of this season, right? Like, he's not going to just magically figure it out next year. 
But the issue, I ha- the issue I have, Casey, with that is that you're looking at all these starters. Every single one of them don't want to pitch to Stevenson. Right. Like they're all they're given three options. He is the last option on every single starting pitcher's mind. But to your to your point. All right, but let me interrupt that real quick. Yes. If you don't mind. Yes. Forgive me for interrupting. No. Okay, I don't give a damn what those guys think about anything. Get people out and then tell me what you want. I would agree. For Hunter Green to have a personal catcher is absolutely insane. I'd agree with you. Okay. I'm like, when when your ERA gets below six and a half, then tell me about who you want back there behind the plate. I'd agree. (laughs) I'd agree. I'd agree. And that's what what I was about to say because I think – if, if, if this is your plan, if you're going to roll with Stevenson, you play him. You play him no matter what the other pitchers say. He needs the reps. He needs the practice. He needs to improve. You can't do that having him hit DH, which he's been atrocious at. And I would, I would argue, too, if we're really going to sit here and talk about the pitchers not liking Stevenson, then why are we even having a conversation of keeping him to begin with? We don't have no one major league catcher. I'm, like, but who, who, like, what's more important, that we have a really good defensive pitcher or we have a really good pitcher-catcher relationship that we're not giving up runs, we're not making defensive errors, or having someone that can slap it. Like, I just... Right now with the Reds, we don't have another option. Like, Luke Maley cannot be an everyday catcher. Kirk Casale is not an everyday catcher. Like, if we don't have Tyler Stevenson right now, we don't really have a, an option at catcher. I mean, I know Elliot likes to bang the table for his guy, Chucky Robinson, but... I mean, I don't know how much, how sticky that is. Chucky's hitting 327 with a 395 OBP, 904 OPS. Chucky can, Chucky can come up. Can, can he won't Chucky come play up. Major League he could. Baseball? He didn't last year. He, he did didn't not. play. He didn't play Major League Baseball well last year. But it's, it's interesting it. to know when you look at Stevenson, you were talking about his, his splits. In 139 at bats as a catcher, he's hitting 201. On base percentage of 300. As a DH, he's hitting 283 with an on base percentage of nearly 370. Slugging percentage, roughly a wash. He's hit two home runs as a DH in six more at bats. He's hit four home runs as a catcher and a lot more extra base hits as a catcher. Now, Stevenson was coming back early in the year. He was doing a lot of catching, hasn't been doing, you know, maybe as much as, as, as some would thought. And they made that decision before the year starts. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get wrapped up in that stuff yet. I'm with you though, Casey. And what, look, it doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what any of us say. When Bill Schroeder comes on, who was a catcher in the big leagues for for 10, 12, 14 years, and we ask him just the simple question that if you are a catcher, and all of a sudden you're not doing that regularly anymore, what kind of effect could that have on you? Uh, from an offensive standpoint, whether they're playing at first base from time to time or being used as a DH from time to time, he said, without a doubt, he thinks it can have some kind of impact on you as a player. All right, lineup-wise. I'm going to get to some of these numbers here in a second because uh, they're, they're not pretty when it comes to you talked about India. When you start getting into his splits – with Jonathan India so far this year. He has been among the worst hitters on the team in pressure situation. It's mind-boggling how bad he's been in pressure situations. And look, you can say how much stock you want to put in that, uh, whatever you want. The last seven days, he's batting a buck 33. The last two weeks, he's batting a buck 80. And the last month, he's batting a buck 74. To me, 
There is no way on God's earth. He's hitting 200 with runners in scoring position. With two outs and runners in scoring position, he's hitting 200. He's a 275 batter with nobody on. Okay, now you can say small sample size, that's fine. But if we're trying to win, there's no way starting tomorrow night at Great American Ballpark against right-hander Corbin Burns. There is no way with De La Cruz, with Steer, with McLean, against a right-hander, Fraley, right, Friedel, right? There is no way on God's earth that Jonathan Indians hit in third in that lineup for me. Does a manager have to start managing a team differently now that you are where you are from what you've been doing so far this year? Or why fix it if it ain't broke? Well, I don't necessarily think you have to start managing differently in the sense that you have to do, you know, like when you get to the playoffs and you start throwing a starting pitcher in the sixth inning out of the bullpen. I don't mean that. I mean I'm, navigating your lineup and personnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you do anything differently because you're in first place. I think you do things differently because it isn't working with Jonathan India in the three holes. So maybe you put him, I mean, he, he wasn't hitting horribly as a leadoff guy. Or you hit him seventh. When he hits first this year, where he has the most at-bats, 184 at-bats, he is a 283 batter with an on-base percentage of 380. Yeah. That is solid. Batting in a three-hole, he's hitting 210 in 162 at-bats. And now, now look, if you're looking for power, he's got 10 bombs in a three-hole. But, I mean, look, those numbers... Uh, 210 batting in the three hole. He's only, he's only hit either first, third, or six. In six, it's only been one game. He has two at bats in the six hole. It's been one, three, or six for India, almost exclusively first or third. And when you're batting three, the, the purpose is to drive in runs. Tom just read the stats, horrible at it. When, when there's runners on base, Jonathan India is one of the worst on the team at driving in runs. He can't bat third. And, and like Paul said, he's a phenomenal leadoff hitter. I would have said move him back to leadoff about three weeks ago. Too late for that. Now you need Friedel batting leadoff. You need McLean, one, two. You have to. Those guys are better than India. They have to get those. They have to get more at-bats than them. That's TJ how it works. Friedel hitting 309 batting first with a 412 OBP. Yeah. Like you can't, that's that's so you, all you want. So now you've, you've, you've lost the opportunity right. to put India one, two. Can't do it. I would argue Vado's better. Benson's better against the righty. So, so India has now lost his spot completely against the right-handed pitcher. If he's, if he's, if he's hitting above seven, I, I, I don't understand why. And the only thing I can think of is Bell's trying to boost his confidence, maybe trying to get him back on track. But if he was trying to do that, I don't know why you remove him from the leadoff spot to begin with. And it's too late, so now he has to bat seven, or he, or he loses his spot completely. Realistically, are any of us going to be surprised when Jonathan India is batting third tomorrow night? I think we all expect that, right? Yeah. I, I yeah. would be shocked if Jonathan India is not batting third tomorrow night. Well, the only reason I think that, and it's a great question, I think, there, because the, the only reason I think I agree with you and I wouldn't be shocked, I, I'm strictly guessing on this, okay, is sometimes, uh, you know, it, first impressions, and this is now the first impression for the Reds to begin the second half of the season. They're the division leader. 
They've come out of nowhere. They're one of the surprise teams in all of baseball. Everybody's talking about them, right? Or a lot of people are nationally. If all of a sudden you put De La Cruz in a three-hole tomorrow night, I'd put Votto in a three-hole tomorrow night. That's what I would do. But if all of a sudden you put De La Cruz in a three-hole and you, you, you start putting guys in positions that you haven't done so far, that first impression for some people, I don't mind it, but some people are going to be like, ooh, you know, the, the, he, he's changing this thing up and there's all this pressure now on these young guys. De La Cruz, is he going to feel the pressure of being the three-hole instead of the four-hole? There's a big difference between three and four, perception-wise. When other teams look at the other team's lineup, 90% of the team's best hitter is in the three-hole. For me tomorrow night, I'm with you, Jacob, that I will not be surprised. But I think the Reds have a better chance to win against a right-handed pitcher with Joey Votto batting in a three-hole tomorrow night instead of Jonathan India. Oh, I absolutely agree. I I want him out of the three-hole. I just, David Bell, it doesn't seem like a move David Bell would make. I mean, Jonathan India went on Jim Day's show and talked about how all the trade conversations were getting to him and he had to, you know talked about mental health and stuff like that you got to wonder if that's in David Bell's mind moving him out of the three spot you know if trade conversations are getting weighing on you moving down from three to seven eight or nine in the lineup I mean that'll do num- work numbers on you you know yeah no I and I think Jacob Jacob has Jacob was early on this take a little too early for me but the trade India stuff you know it's close for it, it's we're very close in this season for Jonathan India to just not have a role outright. He's not a good defender. He's statistically the worst second baseman in, in Major League Baseball. So I, I think if, if he can't produce at the plate and he's not producing defensively, you're losing your spot completely as a Major League Baseball player. I mean, that's just how it works. So I, 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 don't know, I don't know what happens, but at, at the start for me would be to agree with Tom. You move him down in the lineup, see if he can hit there, and try to go from there. I think somebody said it, but I think it is a confidence builder that they kept him at three. I think they were just trying to plow through the slump. They were just trying to say, hey, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to keep him there at three and hope that he turns things around and never really did. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did turn things around. No. Because overall, he's had a solid offensive year. He really has. Yes. I mean, it's only been the last month where he started to really struggle. And look, make no mistake about it. I think we all agree on this. Um, he, he may not be crowned the captain of the team, but he is without a doubt one of the leaders down there in that clubhouse. Yeah, no, for sure. He has a role on this team as, as a leader. I know people like – I know, I know people – you know, Trace kind of makes the joke, you know, if you're a leader, why hasn't the, why hasn't the team been good the last year? It, there, that role matters. It matters to have a guy in the clubhouse – that you can look up to, that you can talk to, that takes a little bit of charge in there. Having him in the in the clubhouse helps this team 100%. 100%. The issue is, if you are not going to compete at a major league level, that that leadership role diminished. It just gets diminished. Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson's situation are alarmingly similar, where we know where they stand defensively, and it's not good. And we thought their bat could outweigh that. The issue with Jonathan India is, we have the replacements. Yep. We don't have a major league catcher that can replace Tyler Stevenson, which makes that move much more difficult. We have the replacements for a second baseman. We have the replacements for the infield. So I don't know how much longer he lasts. 
His at-bats in Milwaukee were brutal. I was in Milwaukee. I saw two of the three games. Yeah. The at-bats weren't competitive. I mean, they just they weren't competitive. The, the double play, again, I hate to bring up this, this one play from the series, but right before Ellie brought in the winning run on uh, game two, Jonathan India came up with a, with a half-assed bunt attempt, second swing, grounded into the most routine double play ball I've ever seen. Other and than he's that, bounced into a pile of those. I think he's hit with seven the, double he plays. Yeah. Leads the team in double plays. He's striking out. He's whiffing hard. I, I, I think, I think it's. I, I hate to say it. I think it's close to being the beginning of the end for him here. I don't want it to be that. Everybody in this room is cheering for Jonathan India. Don't misconstrue that. I just think, I think if he continues to struggle at the three hole and they're not going to change it, there's no role for him here. There's just not. Yeah, I mean, his first, Bryce Spalding pointed out on Twitter, his first 159 plate appearances of the year, his numbers across the board on the slash line are 100 points higher than his last 240. So you know he has it in him. And yes. where he hits in the order does not make that big of a difference. I know he was hitting leadoff to start the year, and now he's hitting third. That does not make a 100-point difference in your hitting numbers. He, can, he has that in there. If he can get back to that point, he has, a, he has a position on this team. He can help this team win. He can't help this team win hitting 210, 215. I tell you, th 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 this is the kind of stuff, and uh, this is the kind of stuff where managers make their money. For people who say that, that, that who you have as a manager uh, doesn't make any difference, I, I, I think is absolute, complete, nutter nonsense. This is where the rubber meets the road. Making decisions. Maybe change, having an open mind to changing things. David Bell, to this point in time, has done a great job managing this team. There's no doubt about it. The culture's good. Camaraderie's good. He's had to navigate his bullpen, uh, which Lord knows. Uh, they, they've gone through most of this season. The ERA star, starters ERA is up north of five and a half. I mean, for them to be where they are is really uh, an outlier, for lack of a better term especially when you look at their run differential and all those kinds of things. And they're not alone. There are a couple of other teams out there. It's the same deal. Is there a scenario, Tom, where David Bell is not back next season? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I always go back to... I always go back to when I was living in Chicago, and I've told this story before on this show. I, I'm announcing the Cubs games, and, and during the winter... Uh, the Chicago Bulls got it going on, right? Yeah. Okay. But they weren't the Bulls' Bulls yet. No. Okay. Doug Collins was an outstanding basketball coach. Great player. He was a coach of the Bulls. And I remember I'm in my apartment on a winter or in a uh, – might have been in this, in, the, in this summer after the season ended. Can't remember it. But I remember the TV being on. I, I can still see the TV in my mind. Um when all of a sudden there's this press conference and the Bulls announced that Doug Collins had been fired. He had just taken the team to the playoffs. Each of the last, I think it was two years at the time, Jordan was just really getting going. I mean, he was becoming one of the best players in the league. He didn't have a lot of help around him. It was pretty much Michael Jordan and a bunch of clowns. Well, you know, now all of a sudden they draft this guy named Pippen from a small school down south. And, you know, there, there's some things going on. But the point I'm making is, is that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, and Jerry Krause, the general manager, fired Doug Collins. Everybody in the town couldn't believe it. Collins was an Illinois guy. 
I mean, a parallel there with David Bell, right? I mean, being a Cincinnati guy. Collins was an Illinois guy, was a great player. And here he is, a coach taking the Bulls to the playoffs, a franchise that had stunk forever. And then they had introduced this guy named Phil Jackson. Yeah, I mean, people in New York knew who he was. Played, rugged, tough. Been managing in that CBA, if I'm not mistaken. From, I mean, think about that for a minute, okay, to put it in perspective. The question that was asked by Elliot about David Bell. Here you fire a coach that's taking you to the playoffs, and you're bringing in a guy who's coaching in the CBA. He had some NBA experiences in assistant, played in the league. And I'll never forget the words that, that uh, Jerry Krause uttered, the general manager. He said, Doug Collins has taken us from point A to point B. We believe that Phil Jackson is going to take us from point B to point C, and C stands for championships. Six rings later, <laughs> it worked. Pretty good move, but took a lot of heat. So, look, I, I, I'm not suggesting for a second that that's what the Reds are going to do. Um, what about for you guys? I mean, right now, today as we sit here, would you give David Bell an extension? Yeah. Why? Why not, I guess. Well, hold on a second. I mean, you know, you hear the argument of, of he's never had a good roster. That COVID year, he had a pretty damn good roster. They were a 500 team. Their starting rotation had Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young, and get bounced two games. And even during the regular season, they were two games over 500. Big deal. They had a good roster. So don't tell me he's had a bad roster every year he's been here. I mean, give me something that you say the reason why he's had terrible rosters the last couple of years. No doubt about that. Not his fault. I just don't really value the manager, which is a difference between you and me. Like, I just don't, I just don't think in today's day and age, like there are decisions you need to make, but I just don't think like, you fire him. What are you going to do? Who are you going to go get that's that much better in today's day and age and where the games are so scripted as much as they can be? Like this, you're not managing like you were 20, 30 years ago. It's different. And if he's a good enough guy in the clubhouse and he's a good enough guy with all these guys that have gotten called up and the team likes him, why change it? Okay. I think what he has done this season, and I do think he deserves a lot of credit. This team was projected 64 and a half wins by Las Vegas. Yep. They are going to dis they are going to demolish that. And he was and he has done it with virtually no help. The bullpen this season, again, they've pitched extraordinarily well. I'd argue that's because of David Bell, not because of who we got. I mean, we got Ian Jabot running out sure there. Sure guy. Every other game time. Sure guy, if every not other, the Dream Weaver. <laughs> every other game. Dream Weaver has a seven ERA. He's the third best pitcher because the rest of them can't stay healthy. I, I, I think what he has done this season to lead the division at the midway point has been nothing short of, of fantastic. I, I think he deserves an extension unless, and again, unless there is a catastrophic collapse, proportions of which no team has ever done before, and they, lose, they win, I don't know, 
seven, ten games in the back half. Something historic. That would be the only way he's out, in my opinion. No, but I'm asking you, would you extend him yes. today? Yes, I'd extend him. I'd extend him right now. Okay. I think he's I, I believe he's earned it. I, I don't disagree that he has earned it. There's a lot of games left. If, if yeah. we're not in the hunt for the NL Central, David Bell does not get an extension. Like if we're coming down the stretch of the season in September and, and you, you know, we're not even playing for the division anymore, you can't give David Bell an extension. Yeah. If I, we're in the, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think there's any way that's going to happen. But again, I don't think it needs to be quite as dramatic as Elliot's saying. You know, if the Brewers win the division by five, six games, I'm not really itching to have David Bell back. Really? I think you have the team right now where you've said it time and time again that it's a disappointment if this team doesn't win the division, period, now. If you're not even competing for it, who does that fall on? That has to fall on the manager. You have the players. Well, well, you have the position players. Correct. Um, I don't know if um, – well, I do know. They don't have the starters as we sit here today, right, to begin uh, you know, the second half of the season. I there's nothing David Bell can do about Luke Weaver except run him out there as long as ownership and the baseball ops people are telling you we don't have anybody else we think's any better, right? Yeah. Or until these other guys come yeah. back from injury. And Brandon Williamson whining about the rain and what people say about it. But, I mean, this kid has a chance to be a good pitcher, but now's the time you got to do it. And this is what I say on this program all the time. You guys have heard me say it. I don't want to hear about inexperience. I don't want to hear it. This is the big leagues. This is when you start playing t-ball. You get yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally ready to compete with the very best of the best in the world. You've gotten here. You are here. And you're here for a reason. So once you get here, okay, it is now time to deliver the goods. Nobody was talking about Andrew Abbott's inexperience, his first six starts, when he's picking them up and mowing them down, right? Right. All right, then I don't want to hear about Williamson's inexperience. I don't want to hear about any of it. Just go out there and get the job done. David Bell? He's done a great job. You got to get him some pitching help, though. It has to happen. And, you know, the other thing that worries me a little bit, okay, is because of this terrible starting pitching. And make no mistake, it is terrible. It's terrible. I think there's, what, two teams in, in Major League Baseball, their starters ERA is worse. Maybe three. I think it's three, but yes. Okay, but I mean, you're talking the Washingtons and the Colorados of the world. Right. Yep. Right? Okay. All right. The other thing that worries me is because of having to use so much bullpen. If you looked at the, and it's indicative of who is a representative for the Reds in the All-Star game. If you took it a position by position, okay, you went closer, setup guy, middle relievers, offense, whatever it might be. The least of your concerns based on the first half of the year would be the closer spot in Alexis Diaz. He has been unbelievable, right? Blown one save the whole year. And as you guys pointed out yesterday, they won that game. Mm -hmm. So he's only blown one save. He's got 26 saves on the year. But here is what I worry about. And we talked about this a month and a half ago.
will we start to see the bullpen begin to wear down? Will there be cracks as we start asking those guys to pitch over and over and over and over again? You look at the month of April. He makes 11 appearances to Diaz. In one game, does he give up a run? One game. That was the third game of the year against Philadelphia. He makes 11 appearances, same number, in the month of May. He goes one game where he allowed a run. So one game in April, one game in May. Now we get to June. He pitches in fifth games okay and all these obviously are one inning stints every month he pitches in 15 games he allows runs in let's see here in June one two three four games one in April one in May Appearances pile up in June, 15 of them. Four times he allows runs. We've just started July, and I'm going to include the All-Star game on his deal because it's pitching in a competitive game. He's made four appearances for the Reds in July. One game in the All-Star game, five. He has allowed runs in three of the five games. Now, you can say, Tom, that's ridiculous to include the All-Star game. Okay, that's fine. That's a lot of appearances that he's had to make. And I know, again, they're all one-inning stints. David Bell does an excellent job. His overall numbers are through the roof. Four innings, 22 hits allowed, 61 punch-outs, 19 walks. But the point is, as this season has gone on, and that wear and tear has continued on Alexis Diaz, are we starting to see cracks? Does that tell you we're starting to see cracks, or you just think, ah, that doesn't really mean anything? I don't think it means anything uh, yet, yet, but it will happen. If, if, if you are going to push him like this and, and, and the bullpen's just, or excuse me, the starting pitching's not going to help at all, then the cracks will start to form. I don't think yet. I, I think he's still been solid. You know, more outings means you can allow a little more runs. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to be okay. I think the Reds are going to be okay if – and that's a big if, is if the starting pitching can go more than four innings a game, which is what they've been really going for the most part of the, for half of the season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say how much we need starting pitching. I think getting a couple of relievers would really help Alexis Diaz. I mean, yeah. if you can bump, get a, a legitimate setup guy, not that Lucas Sims isn't, but bump Lucas Sims back to the seventh inning, use Ian Jabot in non-high leverage situations in the third, fourth, fifth, when these guys are coming out early. I mean, that's what will really help this, this bullpen. And the guys that are actually good relievers will be able to have less outings and pitch better. So, I mean, yeah, everyone likes the, you know, star. Everyone wants to get the Lucas Giolito, the Shane Bieber. But you get two relievers, get a, the fact that we have one left-handed relief pitcher in our bullpen is a joke in 2023. Get a couple of relief pitchers. That'll help this team just as much. Hmm. Um, Robert Nance in the chat says, Diaz, he believes, has a tired arm. He says, check with the Cowboys. The Cowboys said that? Yeah. That would be rare for the cat. He has said that. He, I, I don't know if he said exactly a tired arm, but he has made comments about how much we're using Diaz. Yes. Well, that's surprising because um, 
Brantley, uh, you know, we got to get him on the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him after the show's over. Um, because he, he's one of those guys where he thinks that a lot of these guys in the bullpen are babied. He used to talk about, you know, he'd show up every single day, even when he was a setup guy initially in San – actually, he was kind of the middle relief guy in San Francisco when he first came up. Then he works his way into the setup role in front of Rod Beck, then becomes a closer uh, for the Giants before coming over uh, to the Reds. But he talks all the time. Mr. Moe says a cowboy has said – that Diaz looks fatigued, but he's saying it's because he misses his uh, and he's missing his arm slot where he needs to be. But anyway, Cowboy talks all the time about how he, uh, a lot of these guys are underworked. Um, but again, we'll get him on the show and let him speak for himself. Um, there was one other thing I, I, I was thinking about with this team that I thought to myself here in the second half has got to happen. Um, the run game has been, if not the most important, it's certainly top four of what the Reds are doing on the base pass. Yep. Right? The run game. Now, it's a long season, really long season, man. And we've talked about how some of their young star players, McLean, Steer, um, I'm going to include Stevenson because he has never played a full year. He got hurt last year. Uh, Friedel has never been an everyday player for a 162-game schedule in the big leagues. Um, so, you know, you, you've got some of these guys that have never really done it. And it's a big difference between a 128, 132-game schedule as opposed to 162. It's a, th- those extra 35, 40 games are a big deal. Hot, travel, wear and tear, beat up. The run game, you got to really, really push it harder for me. Because that's the one thing where the Reds have separate. If there's one area where the Reds separate themselves from the pack, and they're among the top seven, eight highest scoring teams in the league. But the run game is a big part of that. And I'm not talking about guys stealing home. That was cool. But... It may not happen again in our lifetime, but you, you, you got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because if it, 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 this team is going to have to continue to score runs. Now, Milwaukee, it was interesting, um, really interesting, how they did get better starting pitching except for, ironically, Abbott. Guys threw the ball a little bit better over the weekend, yep. especially lively on Sunday, which, 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 which bear, brings me to um, – Craig Council, the manager of the Brewers. When I look at the Reds, I would much, and I don't know, see if you guys can look this up. What are the Reds' numbers against left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching? I'm curious what they are so far this year. Uh, Versus lefties, the Reds are hitting 263. Versus righties, they're hitting 255. Okay. All right. I still, even with those numbers, and obviously far fewer games against left-handed pitchers. And also a completely different lineup than we're walking out there now against right-handed pitchers for the vast majority of the year. Yes, because Will Benson wasn't doing right. what he's Ellie. doing now. Right, right, right. Good point. Good point. Yeah. You have McLean. You right. have, 
Yeah. I mean, Kevin I, Newman was playing every day instead of just against lefties. I, I, I'm really surprised that uh, that Wade Miley is not starting here on Sunday. I, I, I think Benson, right? Yep. More dangerous. He may not even, you know, but you take him out of the lineup often. Fraley, you're taking him out of the lineup, right? Vado is a lefty-lefty. Last two, three years, he's not been good. Okay, maybe he sits down. De La Cruz against a left-handed pitcher, night and day, night right? Day. No At least power. early on, early on. Um, I'm really surprised that, that Wade Miley, after shutting the Reds out for six innings last Sunday, that he's not pitching again this Sunday. I'm really surprised. But look, Craig Council know his, knows his team better than I do, so he's won a pile of games and you know gotten his team to the playoffs a number of times. He's, he's a good manager. All right, when we come back, we're going to finish up today. Unless any of you guys have anything else you want to cross with the Reds. Anything else you want to get into? I think we're I, good for now. we got I, plenty to talk about tomorrow, too. The, the only thing I was going to ask, which is more of like a novice baseball okay, no, okay. question. Bullpen pitching. Is there such a thing as getting a top-end bullpen pitcher for a player that, you know, we, we talk about trading like Sinzel and, and India all the time. For starting pitching, is it does it make sense to get like a top end bullpen arm with one of those guys? Well, it's, or get you know, a it's, that's not a novice question. That's an excellent question, and I think that's what Corbin Burns was sort of implying when they asked him about the Reds in the comments that he made. And he said, "Look, they're more than one starting pitcher away from being a championship team." And I think what he's saying there is. Well, he could be saying any number of things. He could be saying they're four starters away from a challenge. I don't know. What, but, yeah, I mean, you look at the bullpen. Jacob points out one left-hander down there. I mean, I don't know if Nick Crawl called or not. A lot of people like to sit around. And I'm not suggesting Nick did this because he doesn't ever sit around. He's always moving and got something going on. But I would have found a way to go get Chapman. We said it at the time. The further you go, Towards the trade deadline, and my dad said it too yesterday, the higher the price tag. And then, inside of just that nugget, becomes if you're trading for a player, in this case, relief pitcher, but really starting pitcher, okay, or teams that need a bat. If, and the Reds, they don't need a bat. If you're trading for a guy who's in the last year of his contract, so you're only going to have him for two and a half months, maybe the playoffs, the asking price generally is not nearly as high as it would be if you're going out to get a player and or pitcher that you would have control over for another year or two years. So, Shohei Otani. Okay, that's a bad example because you're going to have to trade eight players for him. But Shane Bieber, his name comes up frequently from the, the Indians. Shane Bieber is not eligible for free agency. So you would be getting Bieber much like you got Bauer, where you get him for the second half of this year, and then you'll go to arbitration, or if you want to sign him to a long-term deal, sign him a long-term deal. But you have him next year. So that will up the price tag for Shane Bieber, as opposed to some pitcher who free agent at the end of the year, you got him two and a half months, you're still going to pay a good price. 
but not nearly as much as uh, for a guy that if you had him for longer than a year. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, do we have any bullpen names? You said Chapman. That's one. Is there any other names? I'm sure there are guys out there. I, I, I don't. I have not yet paid enough attention to it to to look at really because 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 you know Casey, what you have is you have teams that are wondering whether or not they're in it. Right. Right. The best example of anybody is the Cubs. Corbin Burns went on to say in, in that same interview, he thinks the Cubs can get back in this thing. He says, right now the Reds are a bigger challenge, but he believes the Cubs has the personnel, have the personnel to get back in this thing. But if you're the general manager in Chicago and you got Steele and you got Stroman and you got some guys in your bullpen that you like, you're saying to yourself, I got two and a half weeks to get within maybe three, four games, right? Yep. Five, instead of seven, eight. Well, you know, then it will dictate what teams are going to do and who's available and perhaps not available. Gotcha. And there are a lot of those teams out there. I mean, you look at the Angels. I mean, now they got Trout out. You know, Shohei is still there. Free agent at the end of the year. They're kind of lingering right on the fringe of that wild card race. That's going to be the single most fascinating topic in baseball leading up to the All-Star break is Shohei Otani. Because if you are the Angels, if you, I mean, everybody and their brother should be fired. If between now and the trade deadline, they don't have a serious, serious, sit-down, non-stop running conversation with Shohei Otani's agent to find out whether or not they legitimately have a chance to re-sign him. I mean, it almost has to be like, you get the deal done now. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't get the deal done now, you cannot go past a trade deadline. Because if there's any player in baseball, and I'd make the argument, if Mike Trout were healthy and available on the market, you're not going to get as much for Mike Trout as you're going to get for Shohei Otani in a trade. Because of what Otani can do. Certainly. Pitch and hit. That will be fascinating what's going to happen there. Did you see the comments the Angels owner made? He said that he will not trade the best player of all time. Him himself, the owner. Artie Moreno. He does not want his name tied to that trade. So... We'll see what happens there because if he just vetoes the GM's decisions there, we'll see what happens. Because if they just eat that contract and Shohei walks in free agency, they had an opportunity to set themselves up for decades. Oh, man. I think it's a lose-lose, though. Because if you don't set your – so you keep Shohei, right? You, you miss on the opportunity to, uh, like Jacob said, build for the future. But in doing so, you take the risk that he doesn't want to come back. You know, you know what I'm saying? Or – if you trade him, you're trading the best player of all time. I think that's a tough position to be in. I think that's a really tough position to be in if you're the owner. Well, look, I, I know Artie Moreno. He was one of the original investors of the um, Arizona Diamondbacks. In fact, he had the most money of anybody, one person. There was a you know, handful of them there that all threw money into the deal to buy the team. Uh, but Moreno was involved. Fascinating story. I'd love to get that guy on the show sometime. His whole story is just an unbelievable story about working his way up and accumulating the wealth and and, and so on and so forth. Um, 
A lot of people don't like his ownership group out there in Anaheim. Uh, they've spent money like drunken sailors out there on players. Uh, and it hadn't worked out. I mean, whether it's Anthony Rendon, you know, some other guys they brought in there. I mean, you know, it's, and then you have the kid who died. Um, but, boy, I'm really surprised that Artie Moreno would make that kind of statement. Because, of course, he, you know, it's interesting he would say that, though, Jacob, because remember, about four months ago, he said he was going to sell the team. Right. Right? And now he says he's not selling the team. I think that could be part of it, though, because, again, he, he's rekindling that relationship with Angels fans to trade a guy like Shohei Otani. I mean, if that, something like that happened in Cincinnati, trade a star player like that, probably back-to-back -back MVP, that fan base is not going to be too happy with you, even if it is the right move. So I kind of understand where he's coming from if he, if he legitimately thinks they have a chance to re-sign him. I got to know if I'm the Angels. Yeah, I, I agree. I got to know. I got to get him signed before the deadline. Yep. I mean, I, I got to get him signed because I don't want to go to October. We don't make the playoffs. We don't get the players we potentially could have brought in to, like you said, build this franchise for a decade. And then all of a sudden I'm competing with the New York Yankees and the L.A. Dodgers to try and keep the guy. Hmm. Whatever. Um, okay. We're, we're good here. Um, we have a cherry on top. We do. Uh, we do. And it's Not Too Picky is coming up right after this, correct? It, th today's Not Too Picky might be the best one of the year. Today is quite... For, give us a serious tease for that. What's that mean? Uh, well, here, here you go, Tom. Today is quite literally the only day of the year where you don't have a single thing to bet on. So we're going to do a so betting we'll, show. So, so we're, we're going to do, do a betting, betting show. show today. But that's after the cherry on top. <laughs> oh no so because oh, there is my God. because there is nothing to bet on and there are no sports today i decided to pull up one of the greatest sports highlights of all time from bocce watch this oh look at this tom wait for hold those on of you that don't know you have wait to get for closest it. to the white ball watch to this oh, bang oh, oh look at that unbelievable pure oh, and that's two points right there pure that's unbelievable. Freeze this for a second. Mm. For, those that have not, for those that have not played bocce, it is one of the greatest sports of all time. It is an unbelievable. We have the biggest in our neighborhood. It's been going on for 12, 14 years. An entire weekend of a bocce tournament. Two-man teams. You guys as degenerates would love it because we have, <laughs> we have a major degenerate in our neighborhood who puts up an entire betting line board on every match. It's That's the most awesome. unbelievable thing you've ever seen. It's on this farm. There's beer everywhere, food everywhere, uh, no wives in sight. Uh, <laughs> literally, the wives understand that the, this weekend of this bocce tournament every year, it starts on Friday afternoon. It goes till about midnight Friday night, starts on Saturday midday. The championship normally finishes around 1A. Saturday night. It is the most unbelievable blowout weekend you've ever seen. You ever see plays like that, though, Tom? Not like that. That's big-time play. All right, so, so this ties in how? 
for not too picky. Well, so I was trying to find the most obscure sport highlight that I could since there is quite literally nothing to talk about. I mean, A.J. Worst points out Wimbledon and the Scottish Open, but I'm talking about things on American soil here. Is there a WNBA today? There I'm, might be. I'm sure there is. I don't is. know if there is because if there's not, then we might be relegated to the summer league. I'm sure. I, I, I would imagine there is. A.J. says you can gamble on Wimbledon or the Scottish Open. Yeah. That's, no, but that's not – he's talking – Paul's talking U.S. soil. I'm talking oh, okay, about, okay. Yeah. All right, my bad. The, the Barbasol Open's happening on U.S. soil, though, Paul. <laughs> what? We got the Barbasol Open. What, what is that? It's a golf tournament with some not big names. I was going to say, everybody's over in is Scotland. Like, is that like Corn Ferry or is that PGA? Yeah. Uh, it seems to be PGA. There's no way you can bet on a Corn Ferry event. <laughs> Elliot, what are you going to do with yourself today with nothing to bet on? Tom, what are question. you going to do? Tom, that's a great question. I don't hot know. Hot tub bound, maybe? Yeah, I think it's just a hot tub night. It's just a hot tub night. Yeah, I might see a new movie. I might see I might see a new movie, uh, Mission Impossible, Tom I went Cruise. Last night. I heard that was good. I, I went last night. Very good. Very good from Jacob. Uh, Tom Cruise, I do I Tom Cruise, he might be He's good. awesome. He's awesome. He he's he's a phenomenal. I think he's he might have saved Hollywood. He might have saved Hollywood with all these movies that he's he's made. Mission Impossible. Did you see um uh well, what's Jacob help me? The movie, um... I'm going to need more. Come on. The, the Tom Cruise movie that just happened. Everybody loved it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. I, I, I can't think of what it is. Top Gun. Top Gun. Oh, Maverick. Come on. Jacob, you didn't help me there. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think Tom Cruise is phenomenal. He, he makes... And he does all his stunts, Tom. He's flying I know out, he does. He's flying I know he out does. of planes and all kinds of weird... I things. saw him. They filmed that. Of course, the home of the Navy SEALs, right? And, yeah. And uh, where all the fighters go out. Right there on Coronado Island. Um... They were filming uh, a couple of scenes from that with Cruz in them. Everybody went crazy. Guys hanging it. out. I love it. All right, so, so what are you going to watch tonight? Uh, it's Mission Impossible 8, I think. Is that, eight. Is it set? No, no, I think it's 8. Part 1. Part 1. It's 8, part 1. Oh, got it. 7 was the last one. So Mission Impossible what? tonight, 7 o'clock, Western Hills Cinemark. See you there. Really? Wow. I'll see you there, Tom. <laughs> Western Hills Cinemark. Luke and, I, Luke and I are cooking dinner for the family tonight. Oh, I see. What, kind of, we what, are. what are we cooking up? We are cooking up uh, pork chops, Ooh. twice baked potatoes, Ooh. salad, little mac and cheese. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Tom. Doesn't get better than that, baby. Luke, Luke and I are on the uh, on duty tonight. Where's our invites dinner. to that meal? Man. Mm. Yeah, no invites for the Chatterbox oh. crew. Interesting. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have been instructed to close all the gates down. In and around. <laughs> In and around the hood. Uh, twice baked potatoes are mid. What does mid mean? Not good, which is oh, a horrible take. that is take. a horrible take. Twice baked potatoes are phenomenal. Are amazing. Yeah, phenomenal. Very good. So mid means what? Teaching Tom moment here? It means bad. Yeah. It means it's bad. It's just not good. What is mid short for? Mediocre? No, it can't be mediocre. I what? think that's. I think, I think it might be. I, it's, yeah, I think. It or like mid-tier. Yeah, mid-tier. Like, okay. Yeah, All yeah. right. I got it now. Okay. Okay. All right. Middle okay. of the road. Um, look, it, it, it's going to become a tradition. It may not be one yet, but it'll be two days in a row. Oh, no. Where, uh, oh, gosh. where as we're, you know, sort of moving from one uh, <laughs> show here on Chatterbox to the next, we do our best to leave you with a little something uh, once more. For those of you that were not with us yesterday, this was something that was posted and apparently will be posted every single time Luke Weaver starts a game. For the Cincinnati Reds. So, Casey, Paul, yep. Jacob Elliott, 
Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, not Gary Wright, but Elliot Reary. Please take it away. <laughs>